Welcome to the Nittany Blues Podcast. By Penn State fans, for Penn State fans. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Vince. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Nittany Blues podcast by Penn State fans for Penn State fans. We are so excited to have you here with us. My name is Andrew Bird and joining me is my best friend and co-host Vince Vidali. Vince, we finally made it, man. We finally made it after four or five years talking about getting us started. Here we are, first episode of the Nittany Blues podcast. Yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to believe. So for all of you uh, listening out there, you know, we've been talking about doing this for a long time. It's uh, just, you know, something that we've kicked the tires around, but so excited to finally get it off the ground. And uh, we hope that all of you will be able to enjoy some of the things that we are here to discuss. And as the name implies, and as the intro implies, we are here to talk about all things Penn State, primarily Penn State football. But Vince, why don't you tell the folks a little bit more about what we're all about? Yeah, so we're just Two regular guys, very passionate about sports. We grew up in central Pennsylvania, so we love Penn State football. So we wanted to provide you guys with a a great source of entertainment and something that you enjoy listening to on a week-to-week basis. Well said. And uh, yeah, I think it's also pretty important for us to mention that we are not X's and O's guys. You know, neither one of us played football, so we're not coming to this show with extensive knowledge of, like, coverages and things like that. We're just two normal guys who love Penn State, love to talk about it, and just want to share in the excitement. So let's talk a little bit more about ourselves uh, just to kind of set the stage. So as I said up top, my name is Andrew. I'm a 2015 graduate of Penn State. By trade, I'm a digital marketer specializing in SEO. Uh, you know, and outside of work and doing this podcast, I enjoy playing tennis, uh, watching movies, spending time with my pets, and just, you know, generally watching sports. And one thing that Vince and I are probably going to be doing a lot is uh, throwing in the offhand comment about the Eagles. So sorry if you're from the western part of the state. No, uh, no disrespect there. We're just uh, we're going to share our fandom of the green and white. And uh, so hope you can bear with us on that. But Vince, why don't you share a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, so um, I grew up, I did a cross-country and track. That was definitely my sport. I've been like a sports junkie all my life. Um, big Penn State, big Philly fan. Uh, I ran cross-country and track at Law Haven, which is, you know, Division Two University. It's about 40 minutes east of uh, State College. Great place to run, great university. Have experience being an NCAA athlete, which is definitely an honor and a privilege to do. And currently I'm teaching health and physical education to students in the uh, State College area. All right. So without further ado, I think we can get into the main segments of our show. We've got a pretty cool conversation lined up here for this first episode. We're going to take it in turn to talk about the 2021 football season, get into the scores, the stat lines, player highlights, some news and what happened during those games. But before we start that, we'd like to start each episode with some news, either from the Penn State football program or from the college football world overall. So Vince, why don't you kick us off? What do you got? Um, Yeah, we got some big news. Uh, USC and UCLA, 
the West Coast is going to be in big tent country. They're going to be, you know, in the Midwest and mid-Atlantic region. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very exciting. And, uh, you know, I know all of you at home might be saying, oh, wow, you're a little bit late on that take, but uh, we're still very excited. We're still very jazzed about it. And I mean, me personally, I cannot wait to see USC in Beaver Stadium. And I sincerely hope that the first time that they come to State College, Pennsylvania is in November when it is very cold. And so they just have the ultimate shock of going from sunny L.A. to uh, cold and possibly snowy Pennsylvania uh, for a football game. That would just be prime whiteout material. I think this is uh, really exciting news. I, I, you know, I, I don't think it's um, hyperbole to say that this is really going to change college football. You know, it's... Um, broken the mold as far as a geographic location being the main definition or the uh, main thing that defines where conference alignment goes. So I think this could open the door for big things for uh, the SEC and possibly maybe like the ACC and even the Pac-12 as they kind of work to keep up with all this, uh, all these changes going on. Uh, Do you think that other conferences outside of the Big Ten and the uh, SEC will kind of follow suit with something like this? Um, I do I do think there is potential for that. Um, you know, the big thing is, like, we have the Power Five conferences, but currently there's only four spots for uh, the playoffs, and it looks really good for your conference if you have a team that makes the college football playoff. So I think 100%. this is a big move. It's kind of like an arms race to get all the best teams in, so that way you are guaranteed to have, like, at least one team in the college football playoff. For example, the SEC looks really great because they had both Alabama and Georgia in the college football playoff last year. Let me just ask you kind of like a hardball question kind of on the on the topic of like the SEC. So, um, you know, the huge news with SEC expansion kind of came uh, a little bit ago when Texas and Oklahoma announced their upcoming move to the SEC. Which move by conference do you think is more momentous? USC and UCLA to the Big Ten or Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC? Yeah, that is a really tough question. So I would say probably historically, like Texas and Oklahoma, they more have a more rich tradition of college football. But if you look at the media market, like Los Angeles is the second biggest city in the United States. So that city and that fan base is then going to be grouped into the uh, Big Ten market. And this might just be like my master's in sport administration here, but you're going to get a lot of money from that Los Angeles market. And that's going to bring huge revenue into the Big Ten that they can use to help build the programs. So I, th- I think, you know, if you're looking at like, you know, more of the, okay, these are like the great blue bloods of college football, I would give Texas and Oklahoma the edge. But if you're looking at more of an economic standpoint, that Los Angeles market is a big market and will be great to add to, you know, the the Midwest and Mid-Atlantic Conference that we the markets that we currently have right now. Well said. Very good. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, big things on the horizon for both conferences, Uh, obviously some huge games coming up. I mean, who is not going to be tuning in to watch? uh, you know, Texas or Oklahoma versus Alabama or Georgia every season. You know, I think that's uh, just uh, marquee matchups in the making. So a lot of fun for all college football fans. Next piece of news that I think I'd like to cover is uh, the hype around some young Penn State players and uh, particularly our 
tandem running back or our running back tandem of Nick Singleton and Catron Allen. Now, there has been no shortage of hype and uh, expectations around these two, especially as training camp has gotten underway. Um, Nick Singleton came into State College with all the accolades, the Gatorade Player of the Year out of high school, you know, highly recruited, could have gone to play anywhere he wanted, decided to stay in-state to go to Penn State. Uh, So there's going to be a lot of expectations around him, um, and I think he's certainly up to the task. But, uh, you know, I think that's also important to not forget about Katron Allen because he was also highly recruited out of high school, um, you know, kind of continuing the trend of uh, highly recruited or highly touted running backs kind of coming in pairs uh, to Penn State in each recruiting cycle. I think this is going to be a great addition to the room and to the team overall. Um, You know, there's a lot of reports of them bringing a lot of toughness uh, to the offense and the team overall. I think we've all seen that video of... uh, of Catron throwing that amazing yeah. stiff arm in practice, uh, you know, feel kind of bad for the defender in that video because I'm sure, you know, nine <laughs> times out of ten he's making the play. It just uh, that's the highlight that went into the to the video. So, you know, um, certainly feel bad, but I uh, hope that maybe that puts a chip on your shoulder to make that tackle ten out of ten. But uh, you know, who who doesn't get excited about that kind of stuff? Yeah, that that is really exciting. Like. That just seeing that picture of him being airborne, I'm just like, that's like something I would expect to maybe in like a skinny long distance runner being pushed in the air like that. But I'm like, that's a that's a 200 pound man right there that he just like <laughs> stiffed arm into the air. So that definitely really shows you the strength of Katron Allen and you know Nick Singleton. He's yeah, he's a really great athlete. I'm excited to see what he he can do. He looked. You know, it's a blue blue white game, so you know, give and take. You know, with like the little practice there, but I thought he looked really explosive. Um, looked like a great, you know, really great player that I'm excited to see in the fall. You know, and then there's you know Kevon Lee coming back from a big season. You know, he was a great running back last year. Um, always got the yeah. tough yards, and it's crazy to think that we, you know, a few years ago, like we were chanting like give the ball to Noah Kane, and he's not here. You know, he's he's yeah. an LSU, which is another great program, but that just really goes to sh- show off the depth of, you know, what Penn State has been able to do at the running back position. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, obviously it was uh, tough to see him go, but, um, you know, certainly yeah, it definitely, it no definitely hurt my heart, but um, it's, it's yeah. tough with injuries. Like when you're an athlete, like yep. even I experienced this with, you know, distance running, like it's it's really tough to be, you know, at the top of your game. Because so like especially in football, someone can steal your spot if you're if you're you know can't help the club from the tub. You know it's you got to be able to be mm-hmm. available to play. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think though um, Penn State is very well set up at, at running back. I think that whole unit is probably going to have a chip on its shoulder this upcoming season, uh, just given some of the difficulties with running the ball over the course of the 2021 season, which is something that we are going to discuss a little bit more here in a few minutes. Uh, but I think that, uh, you know, there's going to be a mentality around those guys to uh, really kind of step up their game. And, uh, you know, I hope that uh, also kind of um, translates to the offensive line because uh, it's not all it's not all the running backs. You know, we know that Kevon's going to fight for all the yards that uh, he can get, but uh, he needs uh, needs some, you know, some holes to run through on occasion, too. So, uh, yeah, cool. I think that that covers that. Any other news that uh, you'd like to talk about before we move on? Yeah, I think we're good. I think we are ready to roll into, uh, you know, last year and where we think the team is going to be going forward into this year. 
Sounds great. Kick us off. All right. So paying the scene here. Week one, Labor Day weekend. We are at the Charles Pool Club. So that's that's Andrew's house. Which, uh, yeah, what, yeah. For for those of you <laughs> listening, uh, that's just uh, code for my my parents' uh, tropical themed backyard patio. Yeah, but you know, it's always a great time at the Charles uh, Pool Club. We we always have a good time there. We but, do. But, uh, yeah, the, be- the yeah. beers are usually fun. We're watching some good good football. It's a good time. Always a good time. But yeah, this was a game going into the first game of the season. I was extremely nervous. So. Uh, Coach Franklin, he does he does not have a great track record of winning big games on the road. Um, number two, he does not have a great track record of having the team ready early in the season to like dominate. Like you don't see Penn State blowing out teams like seventy to nothing like with Alabama. So this like first week had me very nervous heading into the season. So that's where I was at. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if you look at Wisconsin, that's typically a program. You know, that's a tough physical program. They they run the ball, uh, they play good defense. So, um, I thought this was going to be a dog fight, and it you know it turned out that it way was. Uh, for sure. Yeah, uh, very defensive game. Uh, Johan Dotson had he had a touchdown early in the game, that was huge. But really, the the big determinant in that game was special teams making. They blocked a field goal attempt and late in the game, mm-hmm. Wisconsin, they were down 16 to 10 and not 16 to 13. They were in field goal range. They had to go for it because they were down by six. And that game, Jaquan Brisker seemed to keep getting her being in and out. And, you know, he was like the bionic man, keep going on in, even though he was injured. And, you know, he made that interception late in the game that really helped Penn State, you know, seal the W. Yeah, and no doubt. Tough road win, tough environment, tough fan base, like, very yeah. impressive for Penn State opening the season. Yeah, and I think we also got to uh, make mention of the fact that this was really Arnold Ebiketti's, uh coming out party in blue and white because he was an absolute terror Philly in guy. the Wisconsin backfield. So, you know, huge props to him. Love the fact that he came uh, to Penn State for a season to just wreak havoc on opposing offensive lines and uh, hope he uh, continues to crush it as an Atlanta Fountain. Yeah, I think he's going to be great at the NFL level. All right, so uh, any other notes, or should we move on? Yeah, that was the big big note from that game. Like again, that was a great great weekend. Uh, Really impressed. It definitely like helped lift the mood of the party we were at. Um, Really Mm -hmm. good to see Penn State get a really tough uh, road W because they had to be ready early in the season and they had to be ready against a really good football team. And they got they got out of there with a W. No doubt. But, uh, you know, I think um, all Penn State fans were probably uh, just feeling so much deja vu from, you know, so many tough uh, in-conference games that come down to the wire. And, uh, you know, there's opportunities for Penn State to kind of put points on the board that just don't pan out, that just make the game uh, much more difficult than maybe it needs to be. So I know we were feeling it, and uh, I'm sure a lot of other people uh, were feeling a bit nervous in that one, too. Moving on then to week number two with Ball State at home. And, uh, you know, I really saw this as uh, just kind of like a game to just uh, continue to get uh, some reps in live football after a really emotionally charged game against Wisconsin. Um, You know, Ball State coming in really wasn't a slouch of of an out-of-conference game. You know, they're they're very successful in 2020. So, you know, coming in, Penn State just couldn't sleepwalk through this thing. They had to make sure that they were taking care of their business, uh, which they did 
you know, pretty successfully. I mean, just looking at some of the uh, the box score notes here, um, Sean Clifford uh, completing 20, 21 of 29 passes for 230 yards and a touchdown. Uh, we saw a lot of rotation in the rushing game with Noah Kane gr- gaining 70 yards, Kevon Lee grabbing 68. Sean Clifford, uh, funnily enough, uh, was the leading rusher with 81 yards, which is, if that's not indicative of the uh, Penn State 2021 season rushing attempts as a whole, then I don't know what is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, I think that there's really not much else to uh, like really talk about with this game. I think it was just, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, let's continue to play our game. Let's uh, work out some more of the kinks uh, after we, uh, you know, had to grind our way through uh, Wisconsin and they got the win 44 to 13. And again, like a lot of people will just be like, oh, it's the Mac, whatever. But the Mac has had some nice upset losses over the years. Don't underestimate these mid-major teams. And like Ball State yeah. was one of the better teams in the conference. So I was I was a little worried coming into this game. I didn't know if they'd be ready. Were you really that worried? I, I was a little bit. I was, uh, I oh, did not think, Vince, I, come I, on. I, I thought we were, I thought we'd be in a dogfight here. Um yeah, we're, I feel like it takes us a couple weeks to get rolling in the season. Like, I feel like we usually peak in October. Um, but yeah, I was impressed. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't blame you for a little bit of pessimism, but they only scored 13 points, Vince, and seven of them came in the fourth quarter in, like, the the waning minutes. So I so I, I don't blame you for, uh, for having a little bit of uh, pessimism, just given, like, recent history of Penn State football. Dude, but I've, I've I think that's hurt, just... I've uh, been hurt so many times. I'm just, like, fair. trying to not get too high and overreact yeah. after one big win against Wisconsin. But, you know, credit to Penn State. They they came in ready to play, and, you know, they, they blew ball state out of Beaver Stadium. All right. So I think we can move on. Yeah, week three. First whiteout that was not Michigan and Ohio State for a very long time. And this this one, this was a dogfight. This was big game. And SEC fans got to see what a whiteout was like. What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that was, that was a, a pretty cool thing for both fan bases to kind of be a part of. Because, you know, it's not very often that... Penn State plays an SEC team outside of a bowl game. It's even rarer that, you know, you have a team of the caliber of Auburn, just given, you know, some of their success historically coming to Beaver Stadium. I mean, the last one that I can even think of would have been Alabama back in uh, 2011. Uh, So, you know, having a team like that coming out, they were kind of uh, riding a high. You know, they were having a lot of success offensively um, in the weeks leading up to it. So there, I think, was there was a lot of hype around this game for both fan bases, obviously game day came. And so just, I think it, it had the perfect storm of, uh, you know, reasons to be hyped. So I thought that was, uh, that was really neat. I loved the fact that they did the whiteout for this game, as opposed to, you know, kind of the, the standard, um, Ohio state or Michigan pick one, whoever's home scenario. Yeah. So I was all in favor for it. Yeah. And, and that was a tough game. Like I was definitely worried going in. Cause like, Auburn was blowing out their opponents like 60 to 10, like every week. Is uh, being worried going to be a consistent theme with you throughout this podcast? Am I, am I going to be the optimistic one and you're going to be the pessimistic one? Well, we, we, we will see. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cause as opposed to, so, you know, I participate in sports. I like, I'm, I did cross country and track and still do triathlon. So I have some control over like my athletic performance but I get a little more nervous for Penn State games because, like, 
I have no control over like what Sean Clifford does or like Kevon Lee or how the line blocks. Like I have no control. I'm just watching and you know cheering. So I definitely do get more nervous well, because fair. I don't have control in the game. But this Auburn game, it was a great time. Most of the SEC fans were like, "Wow, this is crazy. We have never seen an environment like this." And the guy like by us. Yeah, we got we had the chance to we had the chance to speak to some of them uh, near us in the stadium, and uh, you know I think there was a there was a general um, you know respect for the atmosphere, you know just something really new, something that was really big, something that was very loud. Uh, you know you had obviously a couple of naysayers and stuff, which of course there were going to be, but I think overall uh, the reaction was pretty positive. Yeah, most of the fans were like, "Wow, this is insane. We've never seen anything like this." And there was like one guy I ran it or like was talking to and he was like oh like lsu and like this place and this place were like louder that i've been to and i'll dude no way like no way i i i I will say i have seen beaver stadium louder like like we did not have the same like level of like hatred for like an ohio state or a michigan for like it to be like to that next level but it was really loud and brutal game uh i was getting really worried towards the end because uh tanks tank bigsby we could not stop that guy running the football i just it felt like first down after first down our defense was on the field a really long time but penn state got him to fourth down and i was really surprised by their head coach they went for a field goal attempt which i don't know if memory serves me correctly did they miss that attempt they were down eight and they went for the field goal attempt i honestly don't remember so i think they i think they actually missed but it was like a fourth and two i think and they were running like four yards every play, which if I'm that Auburn coach and I had been running like they had been in like, you know, red zone territory and college kickers not being as reliable, I would have went for that because, you know, let's say you get that touchdown, you could have done a two point conversion and tied the game or worst case scenario, you know, you convert that fourth down, get the touchdown, and then you're only down two points, get a field goal, you win the game and enemy territory I was really surprised that they didn't go for it on fourth down. And I think that played a huge favor to Penn state. What do you think? Yeah, I uh, completely agree. I mean, there, they, there just seemed to be a lot of uh, momentum swings in that game. Uh, Auburn seemingly got a couple of quick scores in there after Penn state surprise, surprise sputtered on offense early in the game. Um, yeah. So I think there were, there were definitely some key moments in there that, that really uh, propelled the team uh, to this win. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but was that not also the game where they ran the tight end wildcat? Um, the tight end jumped over the line? I'm not sure, but I wouldn't be surprised. Like that would, that seems like something Frank would do like big game, new formation, new play, kind of giving the defense like something that they're unsure of. So I think that's something that Franklin would have done. Tyler Warren. Ty, yep, number, Tyler Warren. Number 44. Yeah, I think that was that was the game. And, you know, that that had a lot of, like, wow factor because it was like, you know, I think we were, it was like fourth and goal. Like, the ball was at, like, the one. And he, like, the line got a big enough push. And uh, Tyler jumped over extending the ball and stuff. And that was, that was really cool. That was really exciting and stuff. And, uh, you know, I think... Um, it would have been great to see more variation of that play because I seem to remember like through the rest of the season, whenever they ran that package, it was uh, just Tyler continuing to try and run right in the middle. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I wonder if we'll, we'll see like some variation of that kind of play again, this upcoming season with a few more wrinkles thrown in. Um, 
if there is uh, one coach that I like to kind of throw those wrinkles in um, in an effective way, it's probably Mike Yurzich. So we'll um, you know have to see about that. But yeah, I, that was a pretty cool moment, and uh, I think that was that was kind of like a, a kick in the gut to you know Auburn's uh, chances in that game. You know, seemingly like with the fans who were who were there, and it was. Uh, very exciting for us, obviously, to see that because I think that was like right in front of us too, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think it's just great. Like I'm, you know, as an athlete, I love those plays where it's like, all right, fourth and one, and we're more physical than you. We're gonna get that first down. Those are the plays I absolutely love as an athlete. I love as a spectator of my team and cheering for my team. Those are the plays I want to win, like more than anything else. Um, so very happy they got that. Um, at the same time, if they do use that formation in the future you got to be able to keep the defense off balance. Like, yeah, you might do that like three out of four times. You need to at least make them worried enough that, hey, this might happen. I thought Jahan Dotson throwing passes last year was a great example of that. Like, you're not expecting that from Jahan Dotson for him to pass. Yeah, no yeah, doubt. I think they do need to make sure that they do enough to keep the defense off balance. Any other notes? Uh, no, I think we can move on to week four, Villanova. Cool. Yeah, so Villanova. Coming to Beaver Stadium, another out-of-conference game, uh, in-state opponent, Villanova coming out of the Philadelphia area, wasn't, uh, you know, just kind of the romp that I think most Penn State fans were expecting as far as the scoreline is concerned. Uh, Penn State won the game 38-17. to um, Penn State only scored seven points in the first quarter. You know, the first quarter ended 7-3, uh, to three. so I think uh, we were expecting a little bit more offensive output and uh just kind of were waiting for that explosion to happen it didn't really happen throughout the rest of the game uh (laughs) because uh, we still couldn't really run the ball at all um you know we did enough to like score the points that we needed to but i i remember myself feeling like uh you know we won the game it's just kind of like a whatever i i didn't think that we took a step back but i did not think that we took a step forward uh from that game you know, definite credit to Villanova in that game. You know, they came and they, uh, you know, executed parts of their game plan very well. I mean, their quarterback, Daniel Smith, uh, passed for 222 yards and two touchdowns. And uh, their star receiver, Rajon Pringle, caught four passes for 107 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, you know, I think he's going to be uh, kind of one of those, um, you know, sleepers in the NFL who's, uh, you know, going to come and uh, make some noise probably as like a, as like a two or a three uh, receiver. So we'll, we'll see. But I mean, that guy, that guy was good. So, you know, I don't really have much else to, uh, to say about this game. Um, You know, kind of like a a lazy uh, walkthrough of a game for Penn State after, again, you know, another emotionally charged, really tough game against Auburn uh but you know I didn't don't really didn't really take too much from this game week five we get Indiana back after that 2020 you know BS call that uh, that that was a touchdown uh by what's his name Penix yep Michael Penix. Michael Penix dives through the end zone you can clearly see on the camera he is like an inch short the goal line they give indiana the win indiana was a very good football team that year i had a feeling they would be good they definitely played above expectations but that was definitely most 100 percent not a touchdown not even like any anyone who who has good vision can see that that was not a touchdown penn state got robbed of that win and i think that just 
it sent their 2020 season in a wrong direction in a COVID year and a year where they have less games that really hurt their season. It was really great to see Indiana back in Beaver stadium, get their butts whooped, shut out 24 to nothing and seeing Penn state take care of business at home. Yeah. I personally was hoping for a little bit more offense in the game leading up to Iowa. Just if just to, you know, show themselves that they could score in a high volume uh, because, you know, at the time Iowa was, uh, you know, playing very well offensively. So I was just kind of hoping that Penn state against, uh, I don't want to call it like a downtrodden, but you know, like Indiana, that was not the 2020 version of Indiana. Like I was hoping for maybe a bit more offensive firepower, but you know, you can't really argue with a shutout. So, you know, no other thoughts on that. Just uh, agreed that it was it was awesome to you know see them avenge the 2020 loss. And uh, you know, on the note of uh, you know if if they got robbed, I think Indiana fans might uh, disagree with your take there. But uh, you know, I think a lot of Penn State fans would would agree with you there. So nothing else uh, for me on that, at least. I mean, I just I only speak facts. <laughs> very 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 good, Vince. So you heard it you heard it here. First, folks, uh, on the Nittany Blues podcast, we only speak facts. Yeah, so that then brings us to the game against Iowa. And uh, this was, you know, a highly touted game. Uh, Two top four teams at the time with Iowa being three and Penn State being four. So, you know, really a marquee matchup between uh, two two teams that you know there, there's been some uh, some close games over the years with with Iowa and you know I'd say that uh, Penn State had uh, you know gotten the better of Iowa in recent years in that series um, uh, Penn State winning a couple of uh, good wins at home versus them and Penn State getting that last second fourth quarter touchdown against uh, Iowa with Trace McSorley connecting uh, in the end zone in uh, the waning seconds in 2017. So, you know, I think that uh, there, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't call it bad blood, but I think both teams were kind of, kind of had this, this one uh, circled on their calendars. Um, Unfortunately, Penn state did fall uh, 20 to 23 in that game um, with a fourth quarter touchdown scored by Iowa uh, with a, to their credit, a really neat um, play design uh, to get it into the end zone. I think it was probably at about midfield, but um you know, there was uh, definitely some attrition in that game for both teams. Uh, you know, Sean Clifford got hurt. PJ Mustafer got hurt. I think Iowa's starting safety got hurt. So there was, uh, you know, some injuries on both sides. Um, unfortunately, we did not see very good backup quarterback play from Penn State's side, which I think, you know, we could, you know, nothing, nothing against Taquan Roberson, but uh, there was definitely some confusion with like uh, preparing like with the snap count and stuff like that. And so it was just uh, kind of like a, a game of just wishing that they would hold on and they didn't but you know not much else uh to really say it was uh it was a grind out battle and unfortunately penn state just came out on the losing end yeah i remember going into a game being really excited big matchup two top four teams um early in the game domination by penn state they were they were up 17 to 3 you know after that you know first turnover sean clifford looked you know he looked really great before the injury up you know 17-3 gets hurt Taquan Roberson comes in, can't move the ball, get three points the rest of the game. And that's just that's just a tough ask to ask your defense to pretty much pitch a shutout in, you know, Kinnick Stadium, which is, in my opinion, one of the harder stadiums to play in, in college football. 
really tough. Uh, P.J. Mustafer gets hurt. In my opinion, probably the best player on their defensive line that year. And this is kind of where the season started going downhill for Penn State. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think P.J. being out really um, sent shockwaves uh, through that defense through the rest of the season, which we are going to talk about here in just a few moments, actually. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, losing P.J. was was a punch in the gut. Um you know, he's one player that I am just so excited to see back this year uh, just because of the impact that he can have in the middle of the line and uh, just kind of create opportunities for the ends and stuff like that. So, you know, I think losing him was uh, was kind of like losing the heart and soul of that line and a huge part of uh, just kind of the spine of the Penn State defense just between, you know, uh, him at the him at the line and then you have some experienced linebackers and then you had like Jaquan Brisker in the secondary so there was like a, a stout just progression of defense and so that was a huge huge loss all right and then you know we had the bye bye came at a really good time you you would hope that you know some of the PJ and uh Sean would get healthy uh fortunately PJ was out for the season um, Sean Clifford was a uh, kind of a surprise starter in this game against Illinois. Uh, I remember actually. Oh God. Being, and before, uh, before we sick. get into this, before we get into this, I just want to preface this by saying that in the pantheon of Penn state games that I wish I could just remove from existence altogether. Like the game just never happened. Like Thanos snapped the game just from uh, the universe. This is right up there so go oh ahead. yeah I, absolutely i would absolutely get rid of this game like penn state um doesn't get upset at home it just does not very rare that they get upset at home uh i remember going into this uh, my girlfriend and i both got sick that week we both got really sick um she tested it was non-covid um like you know i rested at home i was like i'm going to this game like i was like hell bent on you know going to support penn state and you know watch this game so like even though it wasn't like COVID, i was like wearing a mask and stuff you know just trying to not to you know spread my illness to other people you know sitting there in the rain it was a rainy day clifford comes out of nowhere to play we don't think he's playing he's here doesn't look his best in this game doesn't look great at the end of regulation we are we're tied with illinois we are, we find ourselves with an inferior opponent and we're in a dogfight. And Penn State had several opportunities to close the door and end this game, but they couldn't get it done. Yep, and uh, I think everybody will forever remember this game because it was uh, the longest game from the standpoint of overtimes, of of course, with uh, this game ending in nine overtimes. And uh, I forget what, after which overtime, is it after the second one that they start two point attempts and just neither team could get it, get it into the end zone. Yeah. The defense is just both held strong in this game. And uh, you know, Sean had a really good opportunity. Couldn't get it done. You know, couldn't, couldn't make the play. Uh, Jaquan Brisker had a great chance at an interception that would have allowed, you know, Penn state to kick a field goal and be done with it. Uh, or we might have scored then, and they scored back then. We'll have to double-check that. Um, but yeah, that was just a... Uh, had chances to win, didn't get it done. Uh, longest game in college football history in terms of overtimes, and it it really stunk and hurt to be on the losing end of uh, history there. Yeah. 
And uh, do you remember how, like, 30 seconds ago, we were talking about how big of a loss uh, P.J. Mustafer would be? Yeah, so that was a huge loss. Yeah, so let me let me put this out to you and uh, get your reaction. Um, Illinois, in that game, had two rushers rush for more than 100 yards. Chase Brown had 33 attempts for 226 yards, and Josh McCray had 24 attempts for 142 yards. That... Uh, overall, for the entire team, they rushed for 391 yards in that game. That is just insane to think about. And uh, obviously, like, one player is not going to make that difference, but, you know, PJ is definitely going to have a big impact with uh, with that sort of uh, stat line. But, I mean, just wow. Like, what an eye-opening stat that, you know, really I was just looking at. I'm like, I can't believe that uh, Illinois, of all teams, is is doing this to us. Like, did you feel the same way? Yeah, just really inexcusable from Penn State football. Like, that is not Penn State football. And, you know, didn't come right to play. You know, Illinois, they came in. They wanted it more. They were more physical. And they got the job done. And Penn State didn't, you know. They didn't care that they were less talented. They didn't care that Penn State has a better football history or pedigree. They said, hey, we're going to come in here and we're going to fight and we're going to win. And, you know, they did that. They they found a way to win the game. Very, very well said and very profound. I had but, like a heart uh, attack yeah. like 20 times during this game. I thought I was going to have a heart attack and it just stunk to come out of there after watching for like four plus hours watching Penn State lose. Yep. Like it was it, it yep. was rough. Uh, so yeah, like I said, pantheon of Penn State games that I wish could uh, I could remove from existence. That is right up there. I don't really know which uh, other ones off the top of my head, but uh, this one just can, will continue to sting. So then, moving on to our next game on the season, uh, Penn State going to visit Ohio State at the Horseshoe. Penn State losing this game, thirty-three to twenty-four. Um, I think it was a lot closer than many people thought it would be. I mean. Ohio State, just as a team, was uh, just an absolute machine in 2021. I mean, C.J. Stroud was lighting the world on fire, passing to a slew of really talented receivers. And, I mean, it's crazy to think that, you know, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson both went to the NFL and they might have a better receiver than both of them still on the team in Jackson Smith and Jigba. I mean, that is just unfair. But... Uh, that being said, um, you know, I was pretty impressed with certain moments of this game. I just think that in, in kind of recent Penn State, Ohio State fashion, just Ohio State had a couple of, uh, you know, extra plays, a couple of levels that they're able to kind of utilize to beat Penn State. So, you know, I don't think there's really much else to say about that. It's just kind of uh, uh, a bit more of the same after the, the 2016 upset. Yeah, and uh, we, we've definitely had... Uh... You know, some games with Ohio State where we are on the road and we get our butts whooped. So uh, to see Penn State uh, competitive in this game was, you know, definitely a good sign as a fan. You're a Penn State fan. Ohio State's that one team that's like the evil empire and they're like so hard to take down. And one thing that did give me a little hope uh, going into this game, seeing Oregon beat Ohio State at home. You know, I thought, hey, freshman quarterback, really big Big Ten game. Maybe, you know, he's nervous, doesn't have his best performance, and Penn State can take advantage. Um, he played well, and, you know, he, he credit to him, he got them a win in this big game. 
Yeah, he played he played well to the tune of uh, 305 yards passing. So yeah, I mean he is he is the real deal, man. Yeah, he is very yeah, good. Yeah, he will be he will be good in the NFL, and uh, we'll, we'll see. Ohio State hasn't had a great quarterbacks in the NFL as of late. But yeah, some uh, some other notable uh, stat lines in this game. Uh, you know, kind of continuing the trend of you know allowing big rushing games. Trevion Henderson rushed 28 times for 168 or 160 yards. And a touchdown. So Trevion, you know, definitely had a big year last year. So, you know, I think this was just uh, another one to kind of put a notch in his belt. And yeah, um, overall, Penn State, uh, you know, on the other side of things, uh, struggled to rush the ball. Uh, The team rushed 29 times for 62 yards. So I think just, uh, you know, kind of a continuation of the trend of, um, you know, having difficulty running the ball, um, some difficulty with the running back position, some difficulty on the offensive line. So on and so forth, which we will, you know, talk about in uh, different podcasts, probably just uh, with some predictions and some things that we're looking for in the upcoming season. So we won't cover that too much here. All right. Uh, next week, week ten, we have uh, win in Maryland, thirty-one fourteen. Uh, Maryland's one of those teams who they're kind of an annoying border team. Their first year in the Big Ten wouldn't shake like Penn State's players' hands and. I don't know. That just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I was like, there's no rivalry there. Like no one on our team did like anything dirty to them. Cause like they didn't play each other. And this is like the first game they played in a long time. And that really rubbed me the wrong way and makes it really easy to root against Maryland. But you know, thankfully Penn state took care of business and you know, got a big wind in the DMV area and uh, gave Maryland a whoop in 31 to 14. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I don't really have anything else. I think, uh, you know, just good to get in there and get that win. I think that Maryland had some some good moments uh, over the past couple of years, uh, just kind of getting their feet under them. And uh, I think that Talia Tagovailoa um, is definitely a talented quarterback. So to hold that offense to 16 points was pretty huge. Uh, definite, definite credit to uh, Jair Brown, who I think had a couple of interceptions in that game. I think that uh, this is going to be uh, probably one of the better secondaries that Penn State's had in a long time, and he's a big reason why. So definite credit to him in this game, um, and just credit overall to kind of uh, getting back in the win column um, against uh, a close uh, rival in terms of geography. You know, there's a lot of uh, recruiting battles that go on in that area between Maryland and Penn State, and uh, you know, recent games like haven't been super close. I mean on both sides. I mean, uh, Maryland whooped Penn state in 2020, <laughs> uh, Penn state whooped them a couple times, uh, before that. So, you know, I think that uh, it was good to get, get this win. Yeah. Have you seen, uh, those billboards? Yes, I have. <laughs> I can only imagine what the reaction is like for those who are, uh, in those areas and are not Penn state fans, <laughs> because I mean, it's, uh, it's kind of funny because it's just a huge, just, unavoidable thing of look how many people from your area come to us it's great you know that's coach franklin's thing dominate the state so i love how he has that sign in pittsburgh and philly maryland new jersey you know we're getting all these regional guys to come you know play at penn state and you know be a part of this great program so it's definitely a fun thing like a nice little jab to give maryland after their kind of like little classless handshake thing years ago all right, then next game on the season is a home matchup against Michigan. And Penn State lost this one in the final seconds, 17-21. Uh, to 21, um, Michigan getting that uh, very late touchdown, you know, kind of catching the uh, the secondaries uh, cross-legged. This was, this was a, a backbreaker, in my opinion. You know, Penn State 
was leading this game late and uh, just couldn't stop them. And just given the fact that Michigan went on then to, uh, you know, kind of take it to Ohio State, win the Big Ten Championship, and compete in the college football playoff, the fact that we did not win that game, it just made it hurt that much more. Oh, I absolutely. Because, you know, even looking after after those two losses against Iowa and Illinois, you know, my perspective was, hey, we are not out of the Big Ten East. Like, if we beat Ohio State, we beat Michigan, Michigan State, like, they can still win the Big Ten East. So even with those two losses being in the West Division, um, Ohio State definitely made it more difficult. But, yeah, that Michigan was Michigan game was very frustrating. So that was the first ever helmet strike game, similar to, like, a whiteout, you know, you can say or argue. Really frustrating just to... You had the feeling that Penn State should have won that game, but that was one of the games they they let get away. Yeah, no doubt. And I think that uh, you you could probably say that the team, understandably, would be frustrated just because of the uh, of the scoreline, but also just the fact that this was um, you know a pretty good game offensively for them. I mean, Sean Clifford uh, passed for two hundred and. Uh, 205 yards on 43 attempts and uh, this is one of the rare times that Penn State outrushed a Big Ten opponent with the team totaling 174 rushing yards against uh, Michigan's 166 so the fact that they had this type of success offensively and still lost the game that's just gotta uh, sting even more in my opinion yeah, they came in with a good game plan they were competitive but they just did not have that it factor to get the job done and you know that's something that we hope changes uh next year and you know Michigan's a really they're one of the best defensive defenses in college football last year they're tough to score on and you know they Penn State was competitive they just could not do enough to win the game unfortunately all right so we have home home game against Rutgers senior night this game thankfully was not close um you know, after the Michigan game, there was a lot of uh, PS. They called it the PSU flu going around. Uh, I, I believe the CDC was actually in Michigan, like investigating. It wasn't COVID, but it was like some sort of flu. And like my, I remember my roommate was like really sick that week. So like Penn State had a lot of players out for this game, and we know Rutgers how they're like, oh, that team from Pennsylvania, their first year in the Big Ten. Like, this is Rutgers Super Bowl. And, you know, we've seen Rutgers in years past bring, you know, bring their A game and be competitive with Penn State. But that was not the case today uh, or last year. Excuse me. Like, we blew them out 28 to nothing. That just seemed like a game. Rutgers had no fight. Christian Bayou had a great game and took care of business in Beaver Stadium to give the Nittany Lions a big win on senior night. Yeah, the advent of Christian Veyu really came out and showed uh, Penn State fans, uh, you know, what he's capable of. I mean, say what you will about, uh, you know, Rutgers as an opponent. I mean, they're still Big Ten Division One football. And Veyu came out and uh, really put on a show. It was really awesome to see a quarterback in number nine really wheeling and dealing again uh, in Beaver Stadium. So, yeah, nothing really else to say about that. Good number. Number nine, McSorley, Nick Foles. Does well for us. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Yeah. And uh, yeah, let's let's just call that the uh, the first uh, official mention of the Eagles um, in this podcast. Should, should uh, that be like a swear jar? Like State. every time I ma- we make a, like a Philly sports reference, we have to like put like a quarter in like the swear jar. 
<laughs> yeah, we might we might have to, depending on how uh, this upcoming season goes. <laughs> All right, moving on then to the final game of the regular season against Michigan State at Michigan State. Unfortunately, this did also go into the loss column for Penn State with them falling 30 to 27. Um, you know, kind of another uh, game where Penn State just couldn't hold on defensively in the end and uh, allowed the go-ahead touchdown. So obviously that was uh, a huge bummer. Uh, Michigan State had a lot of success last year. They ended the season 10-2 and with uh, big wins over big opponents, uh, including Michigan. Mel Tucker's uh, kind of coming out party in the green and white for Michigan State. Uh, so I'm sure there's a ton of excitement around him and what he's building at that program, bringing in uh, some key transfers uh, with the likes of uh, Kenneth Walker, who just absolutely uh, demolished uh, the rushing game throughout the 2021 season. And, you know, even as we look uh, at the individual stat lines, he rushed 30 times for 146 yards. So, you know, another very solid game for him, uh, which, I mean, is kind of even crazy to think that 146 yards is uh, is very average for him last year. So huge credit to like what he's uh, what he was able to accomplish last year. So obviously in the NFL now. So we'll see how he does uh, at the next level. You know, I think that uh, this was just kind of the uh, the metaphorical cherry on top to some close Big Ten clashes that just didn't go Penn State's way, uh, you know, just couldn't hang on defensively, and uh, whether you want to call that uh, some key players being injured and maybe some uh, some dysfunction on offense, not being able to score a bit more in bunches, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, that's just kind of how the cookie crumbled for this and other games last year. Yeah, this was a, a really frustrating game for me. Um, after seeing Ohio State just absolutely torch Michigan State's secondary uh, like a week or two before, just seeing Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave put up point, touchdown after touchdown, um, I was really hoping that Jahan Dotson and Parker Washington would, Andre Lambert would just light it up. Um, you know, and they... they they, their receivers did really well. They did really great in the passing attack, but I thought a big issue in this game was Coach Franklin. He, you know, didn't call enough passing plays and exploit a weakness in the Michigan State defense. Uh, Michigan State's rush defense, one of the best in the country, but, um, you know, their secondary, you know, was not at that level. And I, w- I was a little disappointed and frustrated that, Coach Franklin didn't take advantage in this like snowy battle. I imagine as a defensive player, it's harder to cover people in the snow. This is one where I kind of looked at Coach yeah. Franklin and was like, "Why don't you throw the ball more in this one? Because uh, that's definitely where you had the mismatch and the advantage over Michigan State." Yeah, I would uh, I would agree with that. It seemed like in key spots, uh, you know, where we were maybe trying to uh, force the run when the passing was working very well. And I mean, even even with that said, Jahan Dotson still had a pretty big day with 137 yards receiving uh, for two touchdowns. So, you know, would have loved to maybe seen him uh, get the ball thrown his way a couple more times. But, uh, you know, could have, would have, should have. Yep, could have been more, but, you know, that's sports. So, yeah, I think that brings us to the end of the regular season for 2021. So, Vince, why don't you uh, bring us home then with the bowl game? All right, the bowl game. So Outback Bowl, uh, another SEC team. So playing two SEC teams in one year, pretty unusual for Penn State to even play one. So to get to is uh, good Good to see. I think this is good to see You know where we stack up compared to the SEC. Um, unfortunately, 
Penn State, they they didn't seem ready to play uh, 60 minutes this game. Uh, first half. Now, they... to be fair, though, they they had a lot of players not play this game. So, yes, not to say anything. I mean, it's true on both sides because Traylon Burks didn't play for for Arkansas in this one either. But I mean, we had two of our three starting linebackers out of this game. So I don't think that this is like a like a true full comparison, but I understand your point. Yeah. So I just felt like I felt like Arkansas just had way more fight in this one. They were they wanted to win it more. They were like more determined and like they ran the ball all over us. Um yeah, they just, especially in the second half, they, they gave Penn State a butt whooping. They wanted it more. They were more physical. Um, you know, they just. Their quarterback was a monster in that game. Absolutely. I was like, oh my gosh, like this guy keeps getting drilled and he keeps getting up and he's like, first down, first down, first down. Like, it was just so frustrating that we could not stop him as like a spectator yeah. standpoint. Yeah. Let me, let me throw this crazy stat line at you. Uh, KJ Jefferson, their starting quarterback, had a healthy amount more yards rushing than he did passing in that game. He rushed 20 times for 135 yards. He passed for less than a hundred in that game. Yeah. And the crazy thing is like, it felt like we were getting dominated. Uh, you know, if you're Penn state, you got to make adjustments and make a guy like that beat with his arm. And, but again, you know, this kind of just goes back to the, it goes back to the theme of, you know, not being able to really kind of stop those, uh, those rushers who just kind of get a hot hand, you know, they just, uh, for one reason or another, you know, it kind of started with uh, with Chase Brown in uh, Illinois in the middle of the season, and just kind of continued its uh, that trend all the way to the end. Yep. Um. So yeah, that's definitely some areas I would like to see Penn State improve in the next year within the trenches because it's it's not too often I feel like uh, we win because we dominate the trenches. Uh, we have I feel like we've won a lot of games because of great skill position players. Yeah, I think that uh, is very true from 2016 onwards. Uh, yeah. You know, just uh, with relying on explosive plays and, you know, that, that got Penn State great success um, over the course of 2016 and 2017 and even into really like 2018, uh, kind of saw a dip in the last few years. So, you know, I'm really with you there in that I'd love to see more physical play in the trenches, both on the offensive and the defensive line i think that uh you know defensive line wise um you know penn state is uh is very talented i think they're going to do very well again this year um i think that injuries played a huge part in uh some of the limitations that they saw last year yeah uh, i'll agree so there there's, I, uh, I will say yeah. that um i i have noticed more struggles in the offensive line as opposed to the defensive line uh every year is oh, every year absolutely. it seems every year it seems like franklin is like oh the offensive line is the strength of this team and then you know we're struggling to, you know, run the ball against Villanova yeah. or, you know, whoever. So based on some of the things that we saw in the 2021 season, what are you most looking forward to seeing as far as uh, them trying to reverse maybe some negative trends? Yeah, so some negative trends that I would uh, like to see reversed are the trenches. Like, I want to see Penn State play some games where – like it was very clear they won that game because they were the tougher team. Like they were tougher. If you think of like an Iowa or Wisconsin where let's face it, they don't have the, you don't think of them as having great skills players all around, but they're physical and they beat you up. So that is what I want to see the biggest change for Penn state. I want to see them, 
you know, put that chip on their shoulder and say, hey, we are dominating the trenches. No one pushes us around. No one touches our quarterback. End of story. That's the biggest thing I want to see in this upcoming season. How about you? Yeah, you know, I'd uh, I'd really agree. And, um, you know, I'd love to see some more output from the running backs and also the tight end position group. Um, I think overall, like, tight ends performed pretty well last year. Some drops, uh, but they were but, very good overall. Yeah. Uh, but I'd love to see them get the ball a bit more. I think there's a lot of talent in that in that group overall. Um, you know, pass catchers overall, there's just a ton of a uh, ton of talent. But I'd love to you know be able to get those hard yards, but uh, be able to show teams that you know we got plenty of horses here to attack you through the air almost at will. Yeah, that's something that I want to see. We got a lot of great players that that position. Uh, however, I would like to see Penn State be able to be a little more balanced because. I'm one of those people who feel like the rush game helps the passing game and vice versa. Oh, no doubt. I, uh, yeah, I guess I'm more talking about like in the context of like what the current college game looks like, you know, it's, uh, it, they're balanced teams that succeed, but it's the ones that have the quarterback that can wheel and deal that kind of set themselves apart. You know what I mean? Yeah. CJ Stroud, Joe Burrow, very mobile, great passing yep. game attack. Mac Jones. Mac Jones. So, yeah, the list goes on. Uh, okay, so I think that brings us to the close of last season's discussion. Uh, we got into some points about, you know, what we're going to be looking for in this upcoming season. Uh, just given some of the, some of the score lines, some of the trends, some of the performances in the 2021 season, we'll be doing a, uh, a full preview episode of the upcoming 2022 season in our next episode. But Vince, is there any other pieces of information that you'd like to leave the folks with before we officially sign off? Oh, yeah. Can I, can I tell a real story real quick? Absolutely. Yeah. So speaking of uh, Tampa Bay, the Outback Bowl, um, I actually went on a long weekend with my girlfriend down to Tampa Bay. And guess who was on our flight? Spoiler alert. I already know uh, the answer <laughs> to this, but uh, go ahead and tell everybody else, Vince. So, yeah, Mike Shrewsbury was on my flight, and that was pretty cool. Um, so he was he was on our plane. Uh, I was like, oh, that's Coach Shrews. Um would have liked to talk to him and be like, hey, good job, coach. Keep up the good work. He was with his family, though, so didn't want to bother him. But um, the whole flight down there was a mess, man. Like, So originally we got delayed 45 minutes because of weather conditions. So, you know, weather conditions, you're thinking, okay, that's that's reasonable. Like, don't want to be flying in a plane in dangerous weather conditions. So we're sitting on the plane. We get delayed another, like, two hours do you know why this has happened i seen wasn't it like a like an equipment issue no uh so actually they had an equipment issue later but the big issue was is the manifest did not match the passengers so they were like pretty much taking attendance with like you know hundreds of people however many people are on this plane and like it was so weird how they were doing it. You took a you took a flight out of State College that had hundreds of people on it? it maybe it had like 100, 200 people. Really? Yeah, it was uh 
I don't know if I... Was it direct to yeah, Tampa? Direct flight. Uh, we don't have it anymore, but yeah, it was really great because you could go straight from State wow. College to St. Pete. Um, they also had Orlando, but yeah, so we were going to Tampa Bay because that's by the beach. And so it was like a Thursday night flight and we're just like trying to get there and like get to bed and then enjoying our vacation the next morning. So they were taking like attendance and they were like making people like switch seats. So like I was on like the window side seat and my girlfriend was in the middle and they were like taking attendance and like the two of us had to switch spots, even though we were in the exact same row, which you know, it doesn't make sense at all. You know, you just check, like, okay, we have three people here. That's who the names are correct. And then you move on. But they're like making everyone switch seats. And I was like, that's just kind of ridiculous. And then like, after like two wow. hours, they're like, oh, we accidentally scanned someone's ticket twice. And yeah, so that was a mess. And then when... So it's like amateur hour. Yeah, right. And then when they finally figured that out, there was like a mechanical issue with the plane. They're like, oh, we need to take like... 20 30 minutes to like the pilot has to like manually fix this and i'm like man like i do not feel i've i have such a bad feeling about this light man like such a bad feeling and so we finally eventually go off of all the places or the scenarios to like have a bad feeling about flights is probably like top two or three and again yeah like speaking of like watching sports it's like that's something like you don't really have any control of. Like you can't fly the plane unless you're the pilot. So like it's definitely like sucks not having any control over the situation. So you heard it here first, folks. Uh, you have no control over the plane unless you're the pilot. Vince Vidali, 2022. Yeah, uh, Captain Obvious here. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So now we'll 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 have to start like a quote book, and that'll be like the first entry. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we're flying down flight's relatively smooth like the air in the cabin was like super dry i got really sick when i got back because like, i don't know i don't know what was up like the air was so dry like needed like tons of water like it was you know something was up but anyway we're like getting close to landing there's like a lightning storm <laughs> as we're about to land and i'm just like oh gosh it could just end here and <laughs> that kind of sucked but i was like oh Co- wow vince i was like coach coach shrews is on on this like flight like I don't know. I felt a little safer because I was like, oh, like a famous person can't get like struck by lightning in the plane. Totally irrational, but like made me feel a little safer. And for those uh, who may not know uh, who Coach Shrewsbury is, he is the head coach of the men's basketball team at Penn State and uh, had a really good first year, uh, you know, bringing in some really uh, talented players. So I I know I'm looking forward to watching how they perform this upcoming season. I know you are too, Vince. So, yeah, we'll likely be talking a little bit about basketball, you know, in later episodes, especially as we get into the offseason, which uh, hopefully doesn't feel like it comes too soon because we just love football that much. But just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, exactly. And I was really impressed with uh, how he did in his first year. Uh, You know, first couple games are a little rocky. They had a, a... you know, big loss to UMass earlier, but then when conference play rolled around, they were they were really competitive in a lot of their games. They lost a lot of games by like you know four points, six points. They they were competitive, so um, definitely a team to be excited about if you're a Penn State fan and you know you're a big football fan. But in the winter, you know you like basketball, but you haven't paid attention to Penn State basketball. Definitely like a team to watch out for and uh, support because I think they could be doing some good things this this upcoming year. 
Yeah, no doubt. And I think uh, one thing that's also kind of exciting is the uh, new addition of Patrick Kraft as uh, the athletic director. Um, Sandy Barber did an excellent job, I feel, as athletic director during her time at Penn State. Patrick Kraft has come in and uh, really expressed a lot of interest in kind of growing, you know, not only Nittany Lion athletics overall, but really putting a, an emphasis on growing the basketball program into national prominence. So I think the fact that you have an AD who's that enthusiastic about it with a coach who knows what he's doing and he's bringing in uh, talented guys, uh, you know, either recruiting them or bringing them through the transfer portal, like that's a that's a really cool combination. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it'll be really exciting to uh, see how he does and, uh, new person running operations and time will tell and we'll, we'll see how it goes. All right. So anything else that you'd like to leave folks with? Yeah. So I'll, I'll keep it with, with uh, coach Shrews here. Uh, one last hot take here. Your opinion, does peanut butter belong on a cheeseburger? No hard. No. Yeah. I'm the, I'm there too. So, all right, here's the burger. Uh, so, you know, if you're unfamiliar with the state college area, the, the field burger on top, great restaurant, they have a they have a coach's menu for burgers. So Coach Franklin has a uh, turkey burger. Guy Godowski, Polish guy, has a nice uh, pierogi burger. I've had that. That's pretty good. Yeah, Coach Franklin has or not Coach Franklin. Coach Shrews has you know a cheeseburger. Here, here's what's on. I'm pulling up the the field menu right now. So here is the the Shrews burger in the coach's corner of the menu. So we have Lancaster bacon. Shout out to your. Uh, Home city of Lancaster, American cheese, Hey-o. lettuce, and peanut butter. What are, what, are you, what are your thoughts? Not the first pick of mine on the menu. However, if uh, Coach Shrewsbury and I were having dinner and he told me that uh, he would really like it if I had that burger that he created, I would eat the burger. All right. So I'll, I'll tell you this. I feel like we should we should make a bet. So I I, I live in I'm fortunate enough to live in State College. So what, what do you think the expectations should be for the Penn State basketball team? So if they reach this level, I will order this burger at the field. I feel like the baseline is always making the tournament. Okay, so it's been a while. Penn State kind of got a raw deal because in 2020 when the tournament was canceled because of COVID, of course, you know, they were, you know, a ranked team nationally. They didn't get to go. But yeah. Pretty much since we were in high school in 2011, you know, since uh, Taylor Battle, you know, Penn State basketball hasn't made the tournament. Dude, Taylor Battle, what a, what a guy, what a baller! I loved watching him. Yeah, he he was he was fun to watch. But uh, folks, you heard it heard it here first. So if Penn State basketball makes uh, the NCAA tournament, I will order the Shrewsburger at the field, and. I know, I know I had higher expectations for ordering this burger because I don't think this would be a great burger. I, I said Big Ten, Big Ten uh, conference champion. And I thought that that uh, was too high of a bar. Too high of a so, bar. So, uh, so we agreed that uh, the Shrews burger, we agreed that, um, okay, NCAA tournament here. We will, I will get the Shrews burger. If I was riding with riding uh, bikes with one of my buddies today, he said if they win the Big Ten tournament you should ask for extra peanut butter so if penn state basketball oh i like it wins the ncaa tournament i will not only order the shrews burger i'll ask for extra peanut butter on the burger Dude, that's that's fantastic yes i love that <laughs> and uh major props to your friend who had this idea let's get him on the pod sometime 
Yeah, he, he's a big football fan. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he'd love to be on it sometime. All right, Penn State fans, that will do it for this very first episode. We hope that you enjoyed it. And if you did like this discussion of the 2021 season, please, if you have the time, leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast from. It really helps us out a lot. And we have a lot of neat ideas for how we want to grow this show into something that's fun and entertaining for Nittany Lion fans everywhere. And if you want to join the discussion, reach out. We are available at nittanybluespod at gmail.com so feel free to send us a comment a show idea or if there's some additional thoughts that you want to provide about the 2021 season so for now thank you again and we'll see you in the next episode